I'm honored to speak with you today and grateful for the help of the BYU Broadcasting team in preparing. The title of my talk, The Messy Middle of Revelation, was inspired by a conversation I had in 2007. I was part of a team that hosted the national meeting for the Acoustical Society of America in Salt Lake City. A dozen of our colleagues had come from around the world um, to plan the technical program and assign rooms to different sessions. After our long planning section, we took our guests to the Roof Restaurant with its lovely view of the Salt Lake Temple. I am sure dinner was amazing, but I remember this night so vividly because of the conversation I had with two of my colleagues on the walk back to the hotel. As we were walking, one turned to me and asked, do you really believe what they say about Joseph Smith? I replied that I do believe that in the spring of 1820, Joseph Smith prayed to know which church to join. In his answer to this humble prayer of this 14-year-old farm boy, God the Father and his beloved son Jesus Christ appeared and called Joseph to restore Christ's church to the earth. Joseph was the first Latter-day prophet. I then explained that our church has been led by prophets to this day, but that we each have responsibility to do as Joseph Smith did and ask God and to receive our own personal confirmation of what the prophet tells us. Now, his response really surprised me. He said, that sounds very disorganized. As I was wondering how to respond, our other colleague who was walking with us from New Orleans, who had recently lived through the cleanup after Hurricane Katrina, emphatically said, if there is one thing their church is, it's organized. So, since that conversation, I've often thought about how it may seem a bit disorganized or a bit messy to have these two sources of revelation or inspiration from God. First, prophets have the responsibility to obtain revelation and to lead the church and provide guidance to us. Second, we each have the responsibility to use our free will or agency to receive personal inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Do you ever feel caught in the messy middle between these two sources of revelation that connect us with God? Brene Brown once said in a different context, the middle is messy, but it's where the magic happens. And I think that applies here. As I've pondered how we deal with being in the messy middle of Revelation, I see an analogy with how the sound travels in the ocean. My research area is underwater acoustics. You may be familiar with the idea of active sonar. A noise is sent out, and after a time, it reflects off an object and causes an echo. My research, however, it deals with passive sonar, where the underwater microphones called hydrophones do not emit pings, but merely record the sounds in the ocean. These sounds are then used to infer properties of the ocean environment and determine the origin of the sound. You might be wondering how it is possible to extract so much information from just listening. The key is that the ocean environment changes how the sound travels from point A to point B. By ocean environment, I mean the water depth, the temperature, and the sediment in the ocean floor. To help explain why the ocean environment impacts how the sound travels, I've asked the BYU Broadcasting Team to illustrate the important phenomenon. When something produces a sound in the water, the sound wave travels outward in all directions, but it doesn't necessarily travel in a straight line to the hydrophone. In the ocean, sound waves bend toward depths that have the lowest sound speed. This phenomenon is called refraction. The sound speed depends on the temperature, pressure, and salinity of the water. These properties vary across the oceans, as well as changing seasonally and daily due to weather patterns. Thus, sound can experience complex refraction when traveling from the source to the hydrophone. In the deep ocean, the sound speed first decreases with depth down to approximately 3,000 feet and then increases farther down. This minimum value in the sound speed causes a focusing effect. 
due to the refraction and gives rise to what is called the SOFAR channel. Low-frequency sounds in the SOFAR channel travel very far, thousands of miles. The SOFAR channel was used to locate downed pilots during World War II and search for foreign submarines during the Cold War. Currently, the SOFAR channel is used to listen to whales and monitor earthquakes. Another wave phenomenon that impacts how sound travels in the ocean is reflection. You have experienced reflection when you've heard echoes. Sound in the ocean reflects off the surface of the water and off of the ocean floor. When the sound waves hit the surface of the water, they reflect back with the same energy. But when the sound hits the ocean floor, only some of the energy is reflected and some is transmitted into the sediment layers. How much sound is reflected depends on the type of material that makes up the sediment layers in the ocean floor. For example, sound is reflected more by sand than by mud. When the ocean floor has a lot of sand, especially near the top, sounds can be heard at farther distances. But mud, mud tends to not reflect much sound, but to allow lots of sound to travel into the ocean floor. This absorption causes less sound to be reflected in the water, even at relatively close distances. Now, below the complex layering of the sediment in the ocean floor lies bedrock, formed from the compression of mud and sand and other substances over geological timescales. Now, my analogy for the messy middle of Revelation is based on these phenomena of refraction and reflection, with particular emphasis on the mud, sand, and rock. We believe that our individual spirits lived with God before we were born. During that time, we were in direct communication with Him, and we received His voice directly. When we were born, a veil was drawn, so we were no longer able to remember that time. In my analogy, birth is like entering the water. God loves us and wants to communicate with us, but he can, we can no longer receive his word directly. So instead, he communicates to us with the light of Christ, prophets, and the Holy Spirit. Each person is born with the light of Christ. Small children are more in touch with this light of Christ, almost as though they were in a protective so far channel. But with time, that protective channel weakens, and we are bombarded by all sorts of messages and sounds from the world. This background noise can make it very difficult to hear the promptings of the light of Christ. So to help us, the Lord sends more directional sources to convey his word. First, he sends inspiration to his prophet. In my analogy, I imagine a directional loudspeaker pointed towards the ocean surface. Just as the surface of the ocean almost perfectly reflects sound, so the prophet passes on the revelation he receives from the Lord. In the Old Testament, we read about many prophets. For example, Moses was called to be a prophet when the Lord spoke to him through a burning bush and then told him how to lead the children of Israel out of bondage. Isaiah, Jeremiah, and many other prophets warned the people and prophesied of Christ's coming. In the New Testament, Peter led the church after Christ's death. Similarly, Joseph Smith was called to restore Christ's church. Since that time, our church has been led by a prophet. Our current prophet is Russell M. Nelson. He speaks to us regularly at our biannual conferences, writes letters about official matters, and has communicated with us in both video messages and emails during this pandemic. Here are a few things that he has recently told us as he reflects the Lord's word to us. As disciples of Jesus Christ, our efforts to hear him need to be ever more intentional. It takes conscious and consistent effort to fill our daily lives with His words, His teachings, His truths. Each of God's children deserves the opportunity to hear and accept the healing, redeeming message of Jesus Christ. No other message is more vital 
to our happiness now and forever. No other message is more filled with hope. No other message can eliminate contention in our society. Today I call upon our members everywhere to lead out in abandoning attitudes and actions of prejudice. I plead with you to promote respect for all of God's children. Are you willing to let God prevail in your life? Are you willing to let God be the most important influence in your life? I truly cherish the words of our prophet. I listen to his messages regularly, and I am grateful for his inspired words. It seems to me that since he became the prophet in 2018, President Nelson has carefully examined what we do in our church and has petitioned the Lord to know if our traditional ways of doing things is exactly what the Lord would have us do at this time. We have seen significant changes because of the revelation President Nelson has received from the Lord, and I am grateful for his diligence in sharing these revelations with us. The words of the prophet are readily available to anyone with connection to the internet. However, reading or listening to his words are not enough to convince us of their truthfulness. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this plea from the prophet to us a year ago as we entered the Cove SARS-2 pandemic. I renew my plea for you to do whatever it takes to increase your spiritual capacity to receive personal revelation. That's the question. How do we receive personal revelation? We need to be able to hear and feel the Holy Spirit. When Christ lived on earth, he explained to his disciples that he would send the third member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, to comfort them and speak peace to their hearts. The Holy Spirit also teaches us of the reality of God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, and confirms truth. This witness from the Holy Spirit enables the words of the prophets and scriptures to make a difference in our lives. The Holy Spirit also brings to our remembrance, which is very helpful, for example, after you've studied for hard for an exam. The Holy Spirit helps us discern what we should do and say and is the source of divine discontent that prods us to change and turn to the Lord. The Holy Spirit is the conduit by which we can access God's love and forgiveness if we sincerely and humbly ask and are able to receive it. In my ocean acoustics analogy, I envision inspiration from the Holy Spirit as being delivered by a directional loudspeaker pointed towards the ocean floor. The ocean floor represents the physical, emotional, mental, social, and spiritual environment of our lives. Our personal revelation from the Holy Spirit reaches us through this environment and the reality of our lives, our daily thoughts, choices, actions, interactions with others, all impact our ability to feel the Holy Spirit, similar to how the presence of mud or sand in the ocean floor impacts the amount of sound present in the ocean. So I will now spend the rest of my time discussing how the messy mud, sand, and rock, our personal environment, impact our ability to receive inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Mud. Mud is natural. At times, feeling the mud squelch between your toes or using it to build an imaginary city might be fun, but ultimately, mud is messy. More to the point, in my analogy, Mud absorbs sound. Mud strips away the energy in the sound waves so it cannot continue traveling to the hydrophone. Recently, I've observed an increased amount of mud in our lives, individually and collectively, mud that limits our capacity to hear the still small voice of the Spirit. I can fill pages with lists of the kinds of mud that I, my family, friends, and students have in their lives, especially 15 months into the pandemic. I invite you to identify a few of your top sources of mud. I don't have time to mention every source of mud, but I would like to mention a few general types of social, physical, emotional, and mental mud. 
Our social environment may include some mud. Social interactions might occur in person or online or just in your own brain. Any interaction that causes or promotes contention or negativity are sources of mud. So ask yourself, what kinds of social mud are you causing or experiencing? I invite you to consider what you can do to limit these types of social mud. If someone or something, like social media, video games, virtual reality, talk shows, or podcasts, is a source of contention or negativity in your life, plan how you can limit that source of mud. Our physical bodies can also contribute to our mud. For many of us, fatigue, exhaustion are huge sources of mud. Any of the multitude of systems in our bodies can have problems, and some of these problems are temporary, others are chronic. Many times the amazing body can heal itself, and other times medical advances can help our bodies heal. But sometimes complete physical healing is not possible. Do you have physical things that are acting like layers of mud? Is there anything you can do to change them, or do you just need to learn how to deal with them? The largest source of mud for most of us is probably our emotional and mental environment. First, I would like to say that the broad range of human emotions are natural. It is normal to experience anger, sadness, fear, anxiousness, grief, and all other negative emotions. If we can accept that these emotions are natural, then we are in a better place to deal with them constructively. It is important to learn appropriate ways of expressing and dealing with our negative emotions and not deny or suppress them. Our emotions originate in the brain and are tied up with our mental processes, what are some of your types of emotional and mental mud? For example, the pandemic restrictions over the past years have increased the feelings of isolation and helplessness and anxiety and fear for many of us. Are you still dealing with extra mud from the pandemic? Or do you deal with mud from an addiction? In addition to addictive substances, gambling and pornography, the list of possible addictive behaviors also includes electronic games, virtual reality, and social media. And you may ask why these seemingly normal things are addicting, and the reason is simple, because someone makes more money if you get addicted. They design their products to stimulate the pleasure sensors in your brain. Every battle won, every level completed, and every like or emoji response sends a shot of dopamine to your brain. Your brain remembers that and wants more of it. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying that video games are evil or that you should not participate on social media platforms, but please be honest with yourself or ask someone who loves you if you have an addiction that is pouring mud into your mental environment. In particular, I invite you to examine your smartphone usage. Are you using your phone as a tool, or are you a slave to the pings and notifications? Do you use your phone purposefully, or is it your default mode to be looking at something on your phone instead of at the people or the world around you? This amazing technology that we use every day is wonderful if we choose to use it wisely. If not, it can add a lot of mental and emotional mud. The concept of choice is central to dealing with many sources of mud. For example, if you find yourself saying, I can't help it, it's just the way I am, then you have abandoned your right to choose, some, to choose something different, and you have surrendered to mental mud. But recent research in brain sciences have shown the reality of neuroplasticity in the brain, that the brain can change its thought pattern through diligent effort. Neuroplasticity is so exciting because it means that you are not stuck with the brain you currently have. Your brain does an incredible job at keeping you alive and also allowing you to experience life. But unfortunately, brains have a natural tendency to automatically generate negative thoughts. These negative thoughts are like Velcro in your brain, Velcro that becomes stronger every time you let the negative thoughts go unchallenged. So I invite you to step back and realize that you are not your brain. Your brain is an organ like your heart. 
Instead of believing every thought that arises, you can choose to question if those negative thoughts are true. Ask yourself, are they 100% true? For example, when I have a thought like, I'm going to fail, or I'm so stupid, I have the choice to either believe it and deal with the fallout, or I can talk back to the thought. And sometimes it is helpful to write down the negative thought and then write down why it is not 100% true. Now, I'm not suggesting that you ignore what your brain is telling you. I have a healthy level of fear or anxiety is important to keep you safe. For example, fear of a car accident encourages us to drive attentively and defensively. But the fear and anxiety that come from sustained negative thoughts and emotions can disrupt our lives and need to be addressed. Some fears that are commonly experienced are fear of failing, fear of not knowing what to do or say, fear of missing out, and fear of not meeting expectations. What fears are sources of mud for you? Now, many of the types of mud I've mentioned can be dealt with using the types of sand I will discuss in a moment, but first I want to acknowledge that there are substantially more difficult types of mud. Returning to the ocean floor analogy, the mud from grief, abuse, trauma, and serious mental conditions can be so thick that it can completely absorb promptings from the Holy Spirit and thus needs to be handled carefully. For both the serious and more common types of mud in your life, I encourage you to find out what you can do. Mud is real. We all deal with different kinds of mud. To me, this analogy of mud incorporates the default human condition, what it means in the scriptures when it states the natural man is an enemy to God. For if we do not deal with the mud in our lives, we are not able to receive inspiration from the Holy Spirit, which offers us hope, leads us to truth, and allows us to feel God's love. In my ocean analogy, I liken the things we can do to reduce the impact of mud to adding layers of sand to the ocean floor. Not only do these things help us feel better and deal with the mud in our lives, but they also increase how our environment reflects the Holy Spirit. Examples of ways to add sand and improve reception of the Holy Spirit can be found in many places. For example, wellness pages and the BYU Counseling and Psychological Services page are filled with ideas to limit anxiety, improve sleep, etc. So I encourage you to consider your list of mud and see what specific types of sand can help. I'm now going to share with you some of my favorite types of sand. First, practice gratitude. The Lord has long told us about the importance of gratitude, but now scientific research has confirmed that when the brain, function, the brain functions better when a person focuses on gratitude. When I end the day by writing down three things I am grateful for, it makes a difference. Similarly, scientific studies have confirmed the positive benefits of compassion and service on brain health. In fact, Christ's Sermon on the Mount lists many types of sand that increase our ability to feel the Holy Spirit. The descriptions of charity by Paul are also filled with excellent types of sand to work on. Optimism is another type of sand. My favorite definition of an optimist is someone who understands there are challenges but believes they have the resources to overcome those challenges. As we strive to feel the Holy Spirit, we can be optimistic, for the Lord is on our side and wants to help us overcome and progress. One of the healthiest things you can do for your brain is to learn. Doing a hard thing you're familiar with is not the same as learning something new, because the amazing brain figures out easier ways to do hard things each time it practices. Learning something new forges your brain, forces your brain to forge new connections and not be stuck in ruts. Another type of sand is creativity. Dieter Uchtdorf explained that creating brings us closer to God because he is the creator of all. What you create is not important, just the act of creating. Music is pow- particularly powerful. Singing, dancing, and playing music, even if by yourself, are all ways to lay down layers of reflective sand. Physical activity and being in nature are excellent sources of sand, whether it is taking a walk, admiring the flowers, hiking in the mountains, or having a picnic in the park. Being outside can help you feel the Holy Spirit. 
Positive social interactions are another great source of sand. I suggest you surround yourself with the most positive people you can stand. Anything that promotes smiles. <laughs> you know it's real, right? Okay, anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, anything that promotes smiles, good humor, and laughter adds sand to your environment. Find people with common interests and goals and do something positive. Share compliments and compassion generously. Many find it difficult to take time to add the sand of self-care. Are you getting adequate sleep and good nutrition? Are you taking time to read and ponder the scriptures and other uplifting messages? Are you praying to your Father in heaven, communicating your gratitude, hopes, and fears, and desires, and then taking time to listen? In our busy world with so many distractions, especially those on screens, please consider how taking time for self-care can add sand and reduce mud in your life. Now, this is not a checklist, just some ideas. The sand you need is particularly tied in with your unique combination of mud. What matters is that you find the types of sand that are most effective at helping you feel inspiration from the Holy Spirit. I would highly recommend that you ponder and consult with the Lord to know what types of sand would be most effective for you at this moment and then check in regularly to see if additional or different types of sand are needed. For example, when I had three young children, was dealing with fibromyalgia, trying to keep a toe in my career by telecommuting five to ten hours a week, I remember in particular the craziness of one general conference weekend. As I was trying to listen, the Spirit spoke three words to me clearly. Play more music. While it may seem like that had nothing to do with my situation, the Lord knew that music was exactly the kind of sand my family and I needed at that time. At one point, my normally resilient self was rocked with depression, and while not as bad as many people experience, it occasionally left me in a dark place, curled up on the floor, wondering how I'd be able to go on. And I struggled for quite a while with no one knowing, carrying on, just as many do. As I pled with the Lord to know what to do to combat the continual flow of mud into my brain, the thought came, listen to the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ. So I started. Every moment that I was not actively using all of my brain for something constructive, I listened to the Book of Mormon. As I drove, as I cleaned or folded laundry, as I waited in lines, I let the teachings of Jesus Christ wash over me. The continual flow of sand was sufficient to provide a break in the darkness so that I could then begin to work on the other types of sand I mentioned today. Now, if none of these types of sand provide relief from your sources of mud, please get professional help. There exist effective therapies, especially for dealing with severe depression, anxiety, grief, and trauma. Medications may be necessary in the short or long term if your brain is functioning in a way that is harmful to your well-being. Okay, I've spoken a lot about mud and sand, but now I want you um, to turn your mind to rock. Below the sediment layers in the ocean is the foundation, the bedrock. Think for a minute about your foundation. You may have lots of sand lots of mud and some sand, you will hopefully be able to find ways of decreasing the mud and increasing the sand. But neither you nor me can change our mud or sand into rock. Only the atonement of Jesus Christ can create rock, a sure foundation. I truly believe that the power of Christ's atonement can change even the most awful circumstances of our lives, the deepest, thickest, most continual types of mud into rock. He suffered for our sins to satisfy the demands of justice. He experienced every negative thought, emotion, pain, anxiety, frustration, despair, grief, and trauma as part of his atonement. Now, Christ chose to do this for us because he loves us. God the Father let Christ suffer to this extent because he too loves us, and they both want us to feel that love every day through the Holy Spirit. 
And as we feel that redeeming love, the mud in our lives can be changed to rock. Now, remember how in the scriptures it talks about how a house built on a rock will be able to withstand the storms? What happened to the house that was on the sand? It washed away, right? While laying down layers of sand is important, our sand will not be enough to withstand the storms of life if we do not allow the inspiration that we receive from the Holy Spirit to change us. To change our sand into rock, we need to continually work on developing personal relationship with God the Father and Jesus Christ. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to testify to us of their reality and their great plan of happiness. We need to receive strength when times are hard and learn to trust the Lord. We need to let Christ's atonement fill us with understanding, compassion, empathy, charity, faith, and hope, and connect us to the rock of our salvation. I've thought long about these ideas, and I hope I've been able to convey them in a way that has invited the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Inspiration from the Holy Spirit has been so important in my life. When I was a young college student wondering what I should major in, and I chose physics even though I didn't have an answer for the question of what will you do with that, I felt peace through the Holy Spirit. When I went to graduate school, but I didn't know how a PhD in physics would mesh with my desire to be primarily at home with my young children, I kept going because the Spirit whispered peace. As different unexpected opportunities arose for me to keep a tone in my career, I was amazed. And I did not anticipate or plan that when our youngest child was in eighth grade, the Holy Spirit would prompt me to apply for a full-time faculty job, nor that when I did so, so many things would happen to make it exactly the right time to do so. I never planned to be a university professor and am still quite astounded by how things continue to unfold as I move ahead. I am extremely grateful for inspiration from the Holy Spirit. I pray you will understand that personal inspiration you receive from the Holy Spirit is the key. The key to knowing what the Lord would have you do with the words of his prophet so you don't feel stuck in the messy middle of Revelation. Inspiration from the Holy Spirit is the key to identifying your sources of mud and the key to understanding the most helpful types of sand. But most of all, the Holy Spirit is the conduit by which you can feel how much your Father in Heaven loves you and how through Jesus Christ, through his atonement, all of your mud and your sand can be changed to rock and Christ can become your sure foundation. And I say these things humbly in Christ's name, amen.